0: How did you decide, okay, you know, this opportunity is where I really need to be versus sticking with the job that you loved?
1: It's a great question. Truth be told, there were moments where, you know, I worried, am I making the right decision?
0: Welcome to the RD Jobs podcast where you will not only hear up close and personal stories of dietitians in unconventional careers, but you also get to interact and tell me who you want to hear from and get your questions answered from my experience in counseling, weight loss clients to working as a food service director to my time in corporate nutrition at Google. I knew that a conventional path was not for me tag along with me. As I ask dietitians to share their stories on how they created their own path in the dietetic world. Okay, guys, guess what? This episode is a little bit longer, but if you are the person who likes to hear the nitty gritty details of how a dietitian got to be to where they are, you are going to love this episode. I promise. Tony quite literally breaks down every part of her career, the nitty gritty details, what she was feeling, why she made the decision she's made. To be completely honest, I actually loved hearing every single bit of what she said. It made me feel so much better to hear that her path wasn't this like super smooth, ready to go set career. Like she struggled. She had to make decisions and sacrifices and things like that. And I think it's really important that all of us hear what that can look like for ourselves. So without further ado, I asked Tony. What was it like at the start of your career? You finished your internship, you passed your RD exam. What was the very first step for you as a brand new dietitian and how
1: did it lead you to where you are today? Well, that's a great question. So, like many points in my life right out of the shoot, right after passing the exam, it seemed like there was a crossroads. I
0: mm-hmm.
1: many as most people do, but certainly didn't expect this so early on to be saying which direction do i go and part of the reason for that was i moved from chicago where my internship was back to the to the bay area mm-hmm. area and at the time it was a pretty saturated market for dietitians
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i looked around and i thought oof i don't see myself in long term care mhm bit too much of a tender heart and <laughs> I didn't <laughs> see anybody there. Yeah. Um, let's see. There were some clinical jobs, but I also didn't feel like that spoke to my skill base and interest. Mm-hmm. And so I started sort of meandering what was out, you know, in the world as far as jobs went. And, and there were some interesting things that were not in the field of nutrition. And I thought, do I that after investing so much time and blood and sweat and tears into all this and then there was a job that opened up at a local health center that mm-hmm. was seriously like maybe five miles from my parents house and I was I had moved back home for a while to just get my ceiling mm-hmm. decide what to do yeah and I went to this little health center and immediately felt like I was home it was very Intimate family feeling. Mm-hmm. The bad I was going to be able to use my Spanish. So I was excited about that. And it was a great little job, just, you know, working mostly in the WIC population with a few other little facets to it. I did some outpatient care as well, helped them develop a little like nutrition outpatient program. And I loved it. I felt like, woof, this is my jam. <laughs> and about. <laughs> About a year into it, or maybe a little less, this amazing woman who was running our program had some family issues that she needed to attend to, so she wasn't going to be able to run the program,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the program, and here I was this, you know, total newbie, <laughs> and I thought, oh nuts, I don't know that I could do this, and she's like, you can do this, Tony, you can do this. So I became the interim program director for the nutrition mm-hmm. Services, and believe me, all right, I was scared because I certainly didn't feel qualified. I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Right. Oh, but it ended up being really good. It pushed me out of my comfort zone and I did what I could. I learned a ton. And what it, what it did early on was made me realize, heck, you know, I can definitely toss my hat and through the ring for some of these things, even if there's that moment of hesitation I'm not kidding about what I have as far as skills and tools. They know who I am, but I'm going to show up and do what I can. So right. it was a great experience. I was there a couple years and then started feeling the itch to kind of move to something a bit more challenging. And I was ready for a little bit of an adventure. So I kind of started looking at job opportunities that were showing up in other parts of California. So that's when I kind of peeked my head up and went, hey, what else is out there?
0: (laughs) And so you were there for a couple of years. You started peeking your head out. What kinds of jobs did you start to see or find that piqued your
1: interest? Well, you know, it didn't take long uh, before a woman who I had been seeing in the journals and seeing in especially like the California community and nutrition. She was doing all these really creative things at the time. Now, Mariah, keep in mind, this was, (laughs) let me see, it must have been 1990, maybe 1994 at this point. So we're talking a lot. And of course, no social media or anything like that, In the form of newsletters or stuff coming out from the Academy. And I noticed this lady's name, Claudia Burnett. She was everywhere with really innovative programming. And so she was on my radar. I knew she was somewhere in Northern California, but I didn't know where. And then out of the blue, in the back of the Academy Journal, one day, there happened to be a job posting for um, Solano County. So she worked for Solano County. Actually, her, her whole area that she covered was from basically Dixon, which is just before Davis, all the way down to Vallejo. So she had Mm -hmm. a huge county and she had this job opening for a supervising public health nutritionist. And already you probably are thinking, well, Tony already didn't want to be the director of this program. Um, So I thought, shoot, do I, do I? And I said, why not? So I applied and then drove up. It was about an hour and a half away from where I was living. And I got so nervous because in my opinion, she was this larger than life Mm. thing she was creating. And again, a little bit of imposter syndrome, like she's going to chew me up and spit me out. Right. Right. (laughs) But when I got there, not only was she this itsy bitsy little person, she was (laughs) put her in your pocket. She was tiny, but she was powerful. Mm hmm. And she was a force. And I realized, oh, my goodness, I really want to work for this lady. The same time that it scared me because I knew she was going to put my feet to the fire, Mm -hmm. things that I wouldn't otherwise do. I also felt like this was an opportunity and an invitation to challenge myself. And so I got the job. I was... um, able to manage a small staff of, of paraprofessionals and ended up collaborating with these amazing other dietitians. that many of them also went to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. where I went. But they were very collaborative, very supportive, and we all had different strengths and creativity. So we were able to create these really interesting special programs and materials and curriculum in, because each other, you know, we, we lifted each other up, you know? Right. So that was pretty phenomenal. And and it was a, another example of, you know, the little heartbeat that you get in your throat where you're like, oh, no, do I do this? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, even taking, because this job forced me to take the um, bilingual exam for the county. Mm. And the same thing, you know, I was like, shucks. I know. I mean, I've lived in Spain. I lived in Mexico. I should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. is it going to pass muster? I don't know. And, you know, she's like, do it, Tony, why not? You know, why (laughs) not just take the chance and take the test and it worked out fine. That's awesome. That's awesome. So
0: you're on this path now and, uh, you found a job that's now going to challenge you. You're kind of overcoming that imposter syndrome. How long was your time there
1: at your new job? So I should probably explain a little bit of the bumps and in the road at that job because it yeah. might be helpful. Mm-hmm. I was young, you know, relatively young. Now I'm in my, let's say maybe mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. And I had done some management of staff, but this staff had a big mix of the uber allegiant, super compliant staff members and the tested the limits. Mm-hmm. And I know a fact that I was not equipped at that time to be a really good manager and that I was fine. Don't get me wrong. But for my standards, I just didn't, I kind of got burnt out on being in charge. Mm. That's important because it kind of followed me a little bit in other areas of my life after that. And it wasn't an insecurity or something, but I just felt a little bit, I re. I uh, rebelled against those types of offers. I just would mm-hmm. thanks no thanks no thanks. But I did learn a ton about collaboration. I learned about working in the communities. We did a lot of collaboration with the local, you know, health departments. We did a lot of work with city council and mm-hmm. the low income population a lot with migrant farm workers which I loved. So there Yay. were certain things about it that I loved, but one population I was introduced to there was the adolescent population. Okay. And getting a chance to kind of dig into working with these kids, um, especially young girls in the high schools a little bit, and, and many of them who were really struggling, often like with the WIC program and things like that. So you saw a lot of kids that needed needed some help and direction. Yeah. And so I say that because the next opportunity that came up would have been working with maternal and child health with a focus in adolescent health. So that started to be a shiny thing I was looking because mm. I felt like that might be a spot for me. Yeah. And so in a similar way that this woman, Claudia Burnett, made herself known to me. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but you know, I did <laughs> her. The same way I found her is the same way the next part of my journey came around. And it was same type of thing, reading the journals, keeping Mm -hmm. research and programming that things that were going on around the world. And I kept running into this name, Mary story. She is again, one of those people that the name holds such, um, Gravitas, you know, she just got this strong research um, reputation. Mm-hmm. See, I saw at the time a lot of very creative programming that she was coming up with. And she was at the time she was at the University of Minnesota. Okay. So I started, it's almost like when you see the car that you want to buy, you know how you you might not see it very much before, but then the minute you decide you want, um, you know, a Volkswagen <laughs> thing. That's the only car you see. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what happened here because I was like, everything I saw was Mary story, Mary story. (laughs) So uh, basically what I found out is that she had a maternal child health traineeship that she ran at the university of Minnesota, which was an opportunity to work with her in the division of epidemiology, get your master's in public health and you know, be a part of that team getting that degree, that master's degree. Right. And so I was I remember because my husband and I were getting about to get married and I was like, do I apply for this? Because this is right up my alley. He's like, yeah, of course you apply for this. This is like a great opportunity. So again, threw my hat in the ring, not knowing what would happen, and I got accepted and I got this traineeship, which was kind of one of those offers you can't refuse. hmm we were about to get married and so <laughs> it's like oh well, how did I paint myself into this corner so I called up Mary and said I want to do this so badly but you know with us getting married the, the way the program worked I would basically need to get married and like leave the next day to start mm-hmm. and she was very gracious and said how about if you defer for one year I will save you the spot mm-hmm. the because there's three a year
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just put it on your calendar, you know, this is what you're doing. And I was like, that's amazing. So, beautiful blessing. Yeah. Plan. And we loaded up the truck and moved to Minnesota the next summer. Wow. Yeah, Mariah, it was nuts because it was like, what are we getting ourselves into? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it did not disappoint. It was even more than I would have hoped for. And I had high expectations, but it was. Yeah opportunities of a lifetime. And I still feel very blessed to have had, had that opportunity.
0: Yeah. And so when you were in the midst of this, in the midst of getting married, and then the year before you moved, were you, you were working still, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So go ahead.
0: I was going to say, how did you kind of How did you decide, okay, you know, this opportunity is where I really need to be versus sticking with the job that you loved?
1: It's a great question. Mm -hmm. Truth be told, there were moments where, you know, I worried, am I making the right decision? Because a bird in the hand, you know, when you feel like Mm -hmm. good, do you? And and again, it was a great job, but I, I knew there was something else calling me. And, you know, it's, it's, I would say this, I think a lot of conversations with friends and even my boss, my, that Claudia woman was like, you really do this. This is the next step for you. (laughs) My parents are also great resources for me because they definitely provide great perspective and kind of allowed and, and supported me throughout my life to do some unconventional things. Right. And so I think a combination of all those things, but I'll be honest, when we drove away, we headed out, you know, to head to Minnesota in the the van or the truck or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was super nervous and scared thinking, "Yeah, what is what are we going to find over there?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Am I going to be able to perform, you know, to the level of because the, the traineeship added another level. It wasn't like I was just going to grad school. I had a responsibility and I was given a special opportunity, which raised the stakes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: And so with the opportunity, I kind of want to just speak to the audience, the potential students that are listening right now. I think that the example that you just gave is so relatable and so perfect for them to hear because this is going to happen in their careers. They're going to have to choose between two things. And sometimes that might be a little complicated. It might be a little scary. But I think if it is scary and if it is something that you feel you're really being called to, like you have to just be able to take that jump and you have to have faith in yourself and in your career in order
1: to make those moves. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I honestly – would like to have that put on a T-shirt. I think <laughs> it's perfect, and it's it's sage advice. My entire life has had numerous things like that. That truly, I mean, I get like sweaty palms, you know? <laughs> um, the nerves, the the worst case scenario, had mm-hmm. crazy fears. Sometimes like dreams where you're like, oh boy, this is telling me. But that. That ability to say, something is tugging at me, Mm -hmm. that tug is so powerful. And sometimes that tug is the only thing that will compete with the intellectual debate.
0: Right. Yep, absolutely. Your intuition, your gut feeling.
1: And honoring that that nervousness, that trepidation, in many cases, maybe not always, but in many cases represents that that comfort I mean that stretch zone, you know going mm-hmm. to comfort zone, where it is unknown, and where so many of the new things are waiting for us,
0: right, absolutely, so you moved to Minnesota, you started this program, were you as in love with it as you thought you were going to be? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God, um, it's a great question, and. <laughs> You know, same thing here is that I think for me, I always need, I need to give myself. And if I was speaking to a younger version of Tony, I'd say, give yourself grace, give yourself time, Mm -hmm. accommodate, adjust, acclimate, because my tendency is to go in guns a blaring, you Mm -hmm. know, and wanting to get straight to work and, and show what I can do and be a, team player and my work ethic and all those things. And they're all important. But I also think that the lay of the land is really important to get first. If I had allowed for the lay of the land to sort of roll out like a carpet, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I think I would have allowed for the real Tony to be there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on that more? Yeah, because I, again, hindsight, 2020 when I have the, the expectations to perform, do my part, you know, all those very important components, sometimes they're, they're what present first. And the things that make me me and make me unique and special sometimes are waiting. They're back there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas it, part of what makes any listener, you know, any of the students special is their own quirks and, you know, qualities that are only theirs
0: hmm
1: So I guess I would, and I'm not saying show up and be like, hi, my name's Tony, and be you know, like, <laughs> But I think I would f- provide more of a balance and say, hey, what's going on here in my head? Yeah. What's happening? What what's the vibe? hmm Be the real me and not be so worried about checking boxes and proving
0: mm-hmm.
1: to work hard. I'm here to do my job. That's all gonna show up. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to show up with that very first, like, I don't know if this is making sense, but I know. It is, it
0: is, absolutely. good, good.
1: (laughs) But yes, it did, it did provide all that and more what was important. And if I were given a take two to go back now, Mm -hmm. I would show up that way saying, hey, look at all this cool stuff. All right, I'm ready to go. Let me get to work. Because what I noticed, to give you an example, a concrete Mm -hmm. example, is that it was me and these two other maternal and child health trainees, mm-hmm. which is now probably one of my closest friends in my oh. life. And we wouldn't have had that if I hadn't deferred that year. You know what I mean? I wouldn't right. have. yeah, people. But we were all hard workers and the other two gals were like brilliant. So, of course, I was all, uh-oh, one of these people, <laughs> the other, you know, like, oh, <laughs> But we got there and Jenny, one of them, and myself, we were, I think, immediately really drawn to each other. So it was very much a sense of collaboration.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I'm not saying the other gal was highly competitive, but it was just a different, a different vibe. Right, right. And what ended up happening was that each of the professors and the researchers kind of picked a, one of us to work on one of their research projects with them. hmm and I went into this thinking I was going to work with Mary Story, right? That was mm-hmm, what
0: mm-hmm. I
1: envisioned. And lo and behold, I was um, going to be working with Diane Newmark Steiner, who is amazing, but it was not the person I thought I was going to be working with. Mm-hmm. So she had this amazing program. She wanted me to develop um, a physical activity, nutrition, and kind of mental health program for high school teenagers in a local local high school in St. Paul
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she gave me the reins which in hindsight was also very generous of her but really daunting too
0: <laughs> right right
1: and I think I fought it for a little bit thinking again I had this sort of bait and switch in my head you know of what what I thought I was doing and here I was with this other person mm-hmm be told mariah she is who i was supposed to be with Mm, i love that oh my god she was the person and we would have never been put together on anything just because we are like oil and water we're so different and Mm everything but she knew how to push me she had the ability and a very direct approach toward communication and and her expectations were high but it was implied that I could do this. And these were things I never imagined doing. Right. So I ended up where I was supposed to be. She pushed me into things I would have never asked for or challenged mm-hmm. to do. And that was a watershed moment for me because I, I realized that I had to give myself more credit for my capabilities and she just gave me opportunity after opportunity to learn that and appreciate and, and embrace that. Mm-hmm.
0: How awesome. How awesome is it that you had that experience with exactly who you were supposed to at exactly the right time? I love when things work
1: out that way. I know. I, it's really, sometimes it's overwhelming, you know, because not to say it was all easy because it wasn't. There mm-hmm. were things that were very grueling and. All the way up to defending my thesis, you know, there were times I thought, Well, they're gonna pull the rug out from under me. <laughs> Do wonder. <laughs> but really, her her confidence in me is what got me through much of that. And I mean, we just had some time together. Right before COVID hit, I was in Minnesota with my podcast co host at a seventy fifth anniversary of the School of Public Health in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And Diane was there, as she should be. She's now in charge of the whole, I mean, kit and caboodle. She's, like, major superstar. Mm -hmm. Well-deserved. She deserves it all. Right. But seeing her, you know, 20 years later (laughs) was kind of surreal because I was able to look at and, you know, just hug and just, you know, catch up. But I was able to look at a source that – was given to me a person who Mm. gave me this gift of you got this.
0: That's awesome. That's powerful too, to be able to look at it years later and say, wow, like this was, this was my gift way back when. Mm. So you finished the program, which was clearly very
1: um, influential to you. What were your next steps after that? Well, okay. So, um, After finishing the master's program, again, Diane shows up. This is (laughs) so funny because we were trying to decide, do we move back to California? Do we stay in Minnesota? My husband's an architect, found a firm he loved there that was like, Mm -hmm. and we were sort of in this little quaint place in our lives. Do we go back? What do we do? And so Diane said, look, there's this opportunity. There's an opportunity to do an adolescent health fellowship here. Do you want to stay? And and this was kind of another step into uh, little fish big pond, you know, right. <clears throat> because it was interdisciplinary, it was with the school of medicine, and it was all disciplines. So nutrition mm. falls in when you start adding other disciplines, typically. And it was, let's see, medicine, psychology, psychiatry, nursing, and social work, and dieticians. Wow. Okay, yeah. It was a lot. And again, I was like, do I want this or do I just want to head home and get a job? And But I stayed. And in that year, it was a very interesting chance and a cool opportunity to kind of get the full picture, you know, like the whole Person approach because we were so interdisciplinary so we did a lot of like case studies and presentations and did a lot of projects it was pretty special I have to say and it was international as well so we had this neat little family for almost a year and there was a chance then at the end of that to stay on and get my PhD Mm -hmm. or head home hmm California. And so when you were talking about the tug or the, you know, the right. gut, um, did a lot of talking, a lot of exploring with my husband and my family and the academic folks. And, you know, I, I realized I didn't see myself in academia, at least at that stage in my game, you know, in my right. career. And that was hard to say no to because they were going to support a lot of that. mm but my strength is not grant writing. Mm-hmm. I got through research and enjoyed it, but it was definitely like I had someone else's shoes on the whole time because it was right. my my jam, and it just took some introspection to say, even with this offer, am I doing it because I'm getting this offer, or am I doing it because it's where my heart is? And so that was pretty important and a little difficult, but we moved home and and. Denied, you know that, or declined that offer, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: moved back to California. Um, was working at Stanford in the Center for Research and Disease Prevention, doing some mm-hmm. curriculum development, direct service, basically research in the different behavior change theories and models, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the next little stone that I jumped on.
0: Okay. And so how long were you there for at Stanford?
1: So that was a couple years. Okay. And um, this may or may not be interesting to people, but it speaks to the gut thing again. Mm -hmm. Because it was a good job. It was a prestigious university. And the benefits are quite enticing because if you ever decide to have kids and you're working there, they... They will underwrite, what part of the benefits is underwriting um, the tuition. Mm -hmm. If they go to Stanford or another school, they will do some like, um, you know, um, stipends and subsidies, which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. Wow. So at that point, you know, you're just thinking about benefits and all of that. But at the same time, the group I was working with, it was changing and it wasn't feeling I, I I wasn't feeling like I was in a group of like-minded individuals. Mm. And so I told my husband, it's starting to feel different. I'm not, I'm not feeling that comfort and camaraderie that I, it's important to me. Right. And so um, I started to look around, <laughs> notice the theme again, I peeked my head up and, and that's when this job that I've been at forever Mm -hmm. about and it was with um palo alto medical foundation Camino medical group doing direct service um, Mm -hmm. teaching classes curriculum development one-on-one counseling but when i went to the what i later found out was an interview i thought it was just like a chat i didn't know it was an actual interview because i really Mm -hmm. aren't there just yet but um the immediate reaction in my brain and in my heart and in my body was this is where I need to be it just mm-hmm. I it felt great it was like a family a camaraderie it actually reminded me a lot of my job at Solano County where I just felt like excited about my colleagues their passion and it was it was something that just pulled me and I I took the job it was a cut in pay um which wasn't a huge deal at the time. I mean, I didn't have kids and, you know, that kind of stuff, but it was right. one of the things I actually just found about three weeks ago. I found the pros and cons list that I had made. for that. <laughs> Oh, how funny. <laughs> um, gotta love a good pros and cons list. <laughs> yeah. So it turned out to be the place where I needed to be. And I have been there for many, many years with
0: wow,
1: no regrets <laughs> at all. You found your people. Yeah. (laughs) So what does the day-to-day look like for that job? So this job turns out to be a lot of of one-on-ones. I do a lot of client follow-up. Well, the big part is teaching classes. So we do group classes on health promotion, weight management, health in general. And then we do um, check-ins, you know, where folks send in their data. We call, we problem solve, we plan, you know, a lot of behavior change work, lots of theories and models at play. One of my favorite parts is the curriculum development because I love that. And I just love that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love being able to have clients for a long time. You know, it's a a fee for service program. So they're just like in many of our clients we've had for many, many years because it's part of their success is having that accountability to someone and that relationship with someone over time, and so it's pretty special and um, affords a connection that's that's pretty neat that I I love. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And I think
0: when you really cherish the job that you have and you feel like you're making a difference and you're doing what you're passionate about, that makes all the difference. Because unfortunately, I do hear about people taking jobs. Because they thought it was the right spot to be, and not necessarily because they were passionate about it. And so you can just hear it in your voice when you talk about it. You can hear how much you love
1: it. I do love it, and I'll be honest, right now because of COVID, as has happened in many healthcare world, you know, scenarios.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even with our incredible reputation and in our program and all the client work we have. Mm-hmm. Of the financial challenges on healthcare systems, you know, we're we're vulnerable. Yeah, it's so hard. You know, part of me is like, listen, I've been blessed with this job for 20 years, Mariah. Mm -hmm. And my heart is saying, I never (laughs) wanna leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But my head says, Listen, Tony, you've had 20 years at a job you love. If if something happens, you know. You gotta walk away saying "Thank God I had it," and be ready for the next thing. Right, but it is so hard. My heart is just the thing that breaks because of the connections and our team and all mm-hmm. of. You know, I, I just had an interview I did today with them. Um, Do you know who Amy Myrtle Myr- Miller is? No, she's phenomenal. She's a, a dietitian. She um, is. Just a special, special lady, but we did a whole episode on resilience today. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how funny that I should be recording an episode on resilience. (laughs) You know, this program is in the balance. It may Mm -hmm. not make it. I'm going to have to practice so many of the things that we talked about today if and when, you know, things change. Mm -hmm. Because it's part of the landscape. Things change. And um. So it's, it's just funny to even speak about that with you because it is, it's real and, and no job is ever 100% secured forever, but having something I've loved so much is, I just feel super blessed Yeah. and I'll need to, I'll need to be able to know that, you know, I've, I've had that, you know, yeah. some people don't get that and yeah so i'm kind of babbling but that's
0: no 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 i love that um because you're right some people don't get that and they don't get to i mean i personally i don't understand it because i could never imagine working a job that i didn't love for a long period of time but i get that some people you know they need to support a family they don't have the option to be picky or choose what they want to do and i and i totally do feel for that. But if you do have the option and you do have the opportunity, I say fight for what you want all the way. Like you have to really go with your passion. Otherwise, you're just going to always say what if, or you're going to wonder what else
1: you could have done. Agreed. And and to that end, I will add one more thing that I think oh, kind of helps me when I look at the changing or the, you know, the dynamic nature of of life and job, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that entails is one of the other things, this last job, this, you know, the job I'm at right now has given me is, is because it is part-time. I, I started part-time when I had my kids and never stopped just because it allowed me to work in my kids' schools and do, you know, fun little things like cooking demonstrations at different yeah. Valley companies and just explore a little bit and have some flexibility, so that's been wonderful. But mm-hmm. when the kids got a little older, I was like, "Wow, this little space that I have, because I'm not working the <laughs> time, kind of seems like I could keep my eyes open for you know other little adventures." And two of them have been really important. And I would love for the listeners, your student listeners, to think about this in the future. Is like, for example, um, I'm an ascend reviewer, right? A peer reviewer. Mm -hmm. and that is a volunteer job and that is a job that is a grind sometimes you know when you're actually prepping for the reviews which you know are only a couple times a year at max you know but usually maybe one a year or so so it's not like a huge commitment however the training for it brings you together with people from all over the world which is super cool they appreciate your work so much, but you get to go into these universities, right, and and get a sense of what's going on, the student life, what they're learning about, and it is a peek into different institutions, and you're there as an intermediary, you know, to kind mm-hmm. of data and and discuss it with the program coordinators and all of that, but it is a unique opportunity to not just give back, but you learn in the process. And I would have never had time to train and go do those sorts of things if I didn't have the flexibility. Um, and the other one is I'm a trainer, a faculty member with the CDR's adult weight management group. Yeah. And so that is, again, now being on that that staff of the the trainers, they are people who inspire me. They inspire me to be better at what I do. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Again, from other disciplines, physicians, nurse, psychiatrists, you know, the whole gamut, because it's an interdisciplinary program. But it is something that scared me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. First time I taught, I was like shaking in my boots because (laughs) 200 people in a room and you're, you know, you have your little imposter syndrome moments and all that. But it was a chance it is a chance to collaborate with people who make me want to even be better at what i do and those things come around and and i ignored them for years and then finally i thought okay why not me why you know mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen they say no thank you but they might say yes please and right now again looking at who knows what the future of my program is i feel like I, in a way these other opportunities have forced me to see what i'm capable of in the event i need to pivot and look for a different job right right explore some other avenues because of what i've learned from these things so i i just want to mention that that's something i wish i did sooner was yeah. involved sooner not later because i would have more and more friends in the biz you know mm-hmm. I'd have more and more experiences, and I just feel like I I waited a little too long to tip dip my toes in that water.
0: Mm. I hear you. I hear you. But I'm a firm believer in timing Mm. and where you are in your life right now is where you're supposed to be. And so we might look back and go, Oh, I wish I could have met these people earlier on, but who knows, maybe they weren't ready and they weren't at the spot that they were, that they are currently at where they're such an inspiration to you. And so, you know, I have, that goes with everything that goes with jobs, relationships. You think, Oh, I wish I could have met this person in my early twenties instead of my thirties. I could have had more time with them, but you were two completely different people in your twenties. And so, so I always think it's interesting to kind of wish and hope that you could have had more time. But then I always try to tell myself, okay, you know what? I'm at the point that I'm at for a reason. And the people that are walking into my life right now were meant to be there right now. So I love it. My little my little tidbit
1: on that. <laughs> no, that's very wise and it's true. It is true. And it's something I think it's almost like a muscle that you have to keep building that. Oh, yes. Definitely. But, um. Well said. And I, Thank you. I'm I'm in the same camp with you.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, kind of in that same vein of meeting new people and doing different things, you also are you do virtual speaking, and you're also a podcast creator. Talk to me about. I mean, you know, separately those projects, how those kind of got integrated into your career, and um, how you make time for them in your busy schedule.
1: So the virtual speaking has been a newer thing. I mean, I was maybe did a tiny bit of it before COVID, but of course, it exploded during COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things I loved so much about the adult weight management of the the program that I help out with is that that is a historically has been a hands-on in-person intensive. Right? It's a Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you do all your academic work before. Hours and hours and hours, and you show up ready to roll up your sleeves and like get right to work, so I loved that model, I wanted to be a part of it, and was proud to be a part of it that mm-hmm. hit it was such that you're not afforded that model at this point because you can't break out the same way and you know throw papers around and <laughs> all that. It was just something that required a revamp of the structure, so we we had to move that all around, but it involves now more virtual speaking because we do the trainings online through different platforms. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it coincided with the um, podcast that as that grew, I started doing a ton of virtual speaking engagements to colleges, different universities, local dietetics associations. I've done a couple uh, national presentations about podcasting. And Mm -hmm. those, they kind of overlap a little bit, the podcasting and the virtual speaking, because it's like without the podcast, I probably wouldn't be doing as much of the virtual speaking. Right. Um, But I'm a people person, so the virtual component was really hard to accept as far as getting across what I think are sort of my, some of my gifts, which are like my goofy vibe and my expressions and you know just your energy right
0: absolutely uh i couldn't agree more it's it's been interesting cuz you know i'm i love my face to face conversations and so it's been interesting being on the podcast, because you can kind of hear it in people's tone. You can hear when they're smiling and when they're energetic and when they're having a good time. And then maybe, unfortunately, sometimes on the other side, you can hear when they're maybe not as enthusiastic about what (laughs) they do. And so obviously that could just be me assuming things, but I I love that face-to-face interaction for that reason.
1: Yeah. And isn't it funny that as a podcast host, I I know I can tell already with you, but I picked this up the day we met anyhow, you know, on Mm -hmm. a a virtual virtual conversation that to have the ability to connect this way, it's just building new muscles. Yeah. I now realize that, for example, my interviewing skills, which I thought I was pretty good before, or I noticed this already, Mm -hmm. new level because of what you're doing day to day with your guests Mm -hmm. and that translates into in my opinion being a better dietitian Mm -hmm.
0: oh yeah I could totally see how the two would start to kind of integrate
1: themselves into the other yeah and storytelling you know like Mm -hmm. when you think about the power of stories Mm -hmm. much of a better clinician you are when you're able to impart stories, understand people's stories, dig a little deeper. Again, the podcast was never on a bucket list, never on a wish list. It just turned into a thing. Mm -hmm. But it has been something that adds dimension as a person and as a professional. Wouldn't you say in in ways you couldn't even imagine?
0: Definitely. I mean, and I feel like that's true for a few different things one you're connecting with dietitians who teach you new things I interviewed someone the other day and they were talking about diversity and dietetics mm-hmm. and I consider myself to be a pretty open person and and welcoming and accepting but the things that she was talking about and how we can change the way that we say things I was like oh my goodness <laughs> like I have never even thought about that and so not only am I honing in my own skills my conversational skills but I'm learning so much much every time I talk to someone and I feel like a little sponge I just like the notes that I take and the amount that I soak up like I it's like yes I'm doing this for other people but I'm also enjoying it for myself (laughs)
1: 100% I mean we just had that our episode that went up today Mm mm-hmm or last night, I can't even remember, everything's bleeding together. But it it was um, with our friend Christy Coughlin, who was a dietitian. you know, I mean, she Mm -hmm. still, I guess, if technically, but Mm -hmm. left the field, left direct service to follow her dream of kind of creating inspirational products and materials, because what she found in the biz of nutrition is that people needed to believe in themselves. And so... Mm -hmm. Jenny and I, my co host, and I had this interview with her a few months back, and we finally did the intro, outro, and uploaded it. And I listened to it on my run today, and I thought, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe I get to do this because I feel like each time there's some little button that's pushed or some Little crevice that I never thought about is in-, in humanity. Yeah. That is handed over to me. And it's just like those things you can't put dollar signs on. No.
0: Absolutely not. And I think it's beautiful to just how – if you embrace it, if you truly embrace each individual thing, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm getting, you know, all hippy-dippy right now, but I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm right with you. We can go down that
0: road. (laughs) I know, I know. Um, Okay, okay. So with all things being said and all the things that we've talked about today, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to – most likely a student who's listening but let's just say it's also a dietitian who's already in the field but maybe they're considering a change for themselves what would that one piece of advice
1: be oh, i would say look inward and and listen um, i think a huge problem right now is the, the lack of self-awareness lack of connection to like we talked about before, the inner voice, the whatever it is, um, tolerate the discomfort of really listening and paying attention to what your heart's telling you and try to tolerate the, the anxiety or fear of, of this pivot or turn or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, I I would say, you know, Throw some faith in there too, of course. Whatever your mm-hmm. you know, no matter who and what you follow, but that faith could just be in yourself, right? You could just yeah. I can do this. But I think that one of our problems in our culture, our society right now is that we're so worried about what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has and what they do and you know, what it looks like on their their highlight reel. Whereas you know, life, we get one, we get one shot at this. So if we can try to do that in a way, whether it's work or, or our families or our friends or sort of all of those combined where we are able to say, this is me and this is what's speaking to me. I'm going to listen and follow it. I say, you know, put your ear to the ground and, and, and really pay attention because those are gifts right there.
0: Oh, Tony, that was that was great advice, sound advice. And for anybody who's listening, take what she just said and use it throughout your career. Not only just your career, but your school, your educational career as well because those are amazing words of wisdom and it'll it'll help you go far if you take those to heart. So, Tony, if there is a dietitian or maybe a student who is interested in hearing more about the things that you've done or maybe they have a specific question on something that we talked about today, are you open to having them reach out to you for a quick question? Oh, 100%. What would be the best way to reach you?
1: Um, I would say, well, I, I would say this, and I hope this doesn't sound too self-promoting. You could tell me, no, no, please, self-promote. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking if, if you know, because you the listener has gotten like a you know top layer of who I am right here, mm-hmm. but I am I am one half of what I think is an amazing combination, which is my co-host and myself, who's one of my besties, and I think that if you are interested, you should click onto our website, which is uh, www.thepathpod.com. Mm-hmm. in part because there's a little bit more about me and a little bit uh, about Jenny, my co-host. But there's a ton of um, material in there that is not just dietitians, right? We have all health professionals and some other kind of kooky combinations of people that just somehow relate to health.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, maybe they'll pick up a little bit there about who we are, but our Instagram account, I think shows a little bit more of our personality as well, and more of who we are. And you can connect through either of those mechanisms to me, um, probably DM me through, uh, IG would probably be best. You're welcome to put my email in there too, in the notes. Um, but I just have to say that, you know, this type of thing, the connections made through this, I had a young woman just connect with me last week out of the blue because of a talk I did at Cal Poly, you know, mm-hmm. months ago. And we just thought it was a, hi, I get to know you. And we're going to be doing some work together now. And so fun. I, what the heck? How did that <laughs> happen? And it was just a click factor. And she just emailed with a question. It turned into a conversation. So all that to say, yes, reach out to me. And, you know, I'm, I may not respond that day, but I'll get back to you and I'd be more than happy. I wish I had this when I was earlier on in my career to just have an ear to bend and a resource. So I'm happy to be that.
0: Yay. Awesome. That's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Honestly, you've given such sound wisdom and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me.
1: Oh, it was a blast, Mariah. And I'm to support you. And you know what? Someday we'll get you on ours and we'll cross promote that way because the more we get these words out, the better, I think. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. I would love that.
0: I hope that you feel more confident in whatever path you're on, whether you're a dietetic student and you have no idea how you're going to start, or you're a dietitian who already has a job but is thinking about making a little bit of a career change, whatever. I hope that her story helps you feel better. Once again, thank you for listening. Feel free to let me know who you'd like to hear from or what you'd like to hear about on the website, and I'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back. back.